The following sermon audio is from Love City Church, Cincinnati. More audio and information about Love City Church can be found at www.mylovecitychurch.org. Turn with me if you would to 1 John chapter 4, okay? We're going to continue in our series this week, Up Close and Personal. We're coming down the home stretch on this. This has been a really fun uh, series for me to preach. I hope it's been fun for you to uh, study along with us. Uh, we're starting in chapter 4 today, and uh, we called this series Up, Up Close and Personal for two reasons. It has a lot to do with the author, John. Uh, John was uh, one of, who, who is often referred to as the inner, inner three, so you've got... Um, Peter, James, and John, they were very close to Jesus. They were some of his closest disciples and friends. And so we know that John had a perspective that maybe not everybody had the same uh, access to. And so he was really close to Jesus. And so that's one reason we called this up close and personal. I trust John's perspective and emphasis because he spent a lot of time with the master. And so that makes me want to listen to what he has to say. Uh, also, we see that the way he relates to the people that he is called to shepherd and pastor, just the language that he uses in his writings, and especially here in 1 John we see it, uh, he'll use terms a lot like children, my, my, my dear little children and dear ones. Some of us, you know, we get an attitude, I'm an adult, don't talk to me like that. But uh, really what it is is John has a real fatherly anointing. Uh, he leads his people with a fatherly perspective, and I think honestly that uh, that's really the right way for a shepherd to think. They should love their people like a good father loves their kids, and so that means they protect them and love them and uh, correct them when needed. So uh, that's, why, uh, that's why our series through First John is called Up Close and Personal. So we're going to start um, reading in chapter 4. Uh, we're just going to tackle six verses today, okay? So we're going to see about my new uh, commitment here to try to make the sermons a little less long. It probably won't actually happen, so don't get too excited, but uh, we're just going to see how it goes. So we're going to read uh, verses 1 through 6. And uh, off we go. Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets, prophets have gone out into the world. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you have heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. You are from God, little children, and you've overcome them. Because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us, but he who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Okay, so first of all, we have this warning from John uh, where he says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit. And first I want to address this from... I would say a congregational standpoint, and, and I think this is a good opportunity to answer some questions that some of you may have had, because uh, I've had several discussions lately uh, with folks about the gifts of the Spirit and their function within the assembly. Some of you are new believers, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'll try to give you some context for understanding this. Uh, some of you have been around a long time, and you know all sides of this argument, uh, and, and oftentimes it's silly that it is an argument. However, um, the question I'm, I've been getting is something like... Uh, you know, they, they give me a scenario. You know, if somebody, if somebody, say, in our assembly, stood up, started speaking in tongues out loud, and they were intending for everyone to hear, uh, how would leadership at Love City handle that, okay? So what would we do? First thing I want to say, and I just want to be really, really clear about, and I want you to know that I'm not in any way ashamed to say it, 
Love City is a continuationist, Holy Spirit-filled, Bible-believe-in-Jesus-loving church. Okay? That's our position on that. I don't know. You may not have, it may not matter to you one way or the other if I say continuationist or cessationist, but if you know what that means, we're continuationists. We believe the gifts of the Spirit still function. We believe the Holy Spirit is still uh, empowering people for mission. Okay? Uh, we absolutely believe that, the gifts of, we believe that the gifts of the Spirit are in operation today, and they're for the equipping of the saints to be witnesses for Jesus to our families and neighbors all the way to the ends of the earth, okay? That's what Acts 1-8 tells us, that we will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on us. And, it's for, and some people stop there, and that's where they start to get goofy. All will receive power, and then they want to they define that. It's defined for us. We receive power from the Holy Spirit to do a job. It's one job, to be witnesses about how good and holy and perfect Jesus is and how true his gospel is in all the earth. That's what the Holy Ghost is about, lifting Jesus up. And if you see anybody claiming that it's the Holy Spirit and it's about anything other than Jesus and his glory, they've messed up. So it's time to lovingly say, let's get back to the one that matters. That's King Jesus. The Holy Spirit works with him and for him and shines the light on him. Okay? Um, so we do, we are absolutely continuationists and we believe that the gifts of the spirit are in operation. Um, but we also want to obey the scriptures and, uh, first Corinthians 14 verses 13 through 19 and also verses 26 through 33. You can write those down and go check them out later. Uh, they give us some crystal clear instruction on how things like, uh, speaking in tongues and prophecy should be handled within a congregational or within the context of an assembly, uh, of God's people. So, uh, we want to obey that. So if God sees fit to give a, a message to our congregation uh, through someone in tongues, then that person should let an usher know, uh, and then they will get a pastor or another designated leader to hear it, and they will discern it and see if it's from God, at which point they would get the attention of whoever's preaching, whether that's me or somebody else. And at an appropriate time, we would have that person share the message. Okay. Now, some of you may say, that sounds really rigid and like you're quenching the spirit. I hear you, and trust me. I know about the warnings about not quenching the Spirit, and I'm the last guy on this planet that wants to quench God's Spirit. We're, this church belongs to Jesus. You've heard me say that many times. If Pastor Vince dies tomorrow, Love City keeps going because this isn't my church. This church belongs to King Jesus, and so he does what he wants when he wants. Always. Right? You happy about that or you sad about that? I'm happy about it. Okay? So that's the way that's going to go, but the, the reason why... Paul is very clear in all the instruction he gives about how the gifts of the Spirit work within a congregational context. Here's, he, keep, he keeps saying it. It's got to be done decently and in order. God is not a God of confusion. He's not going to just do crazy stuff. So um, the Holy Spirit is not a rogue agent who does a bunch of wild and crazy stuff aside from what the Bible teaches. Uh, if anything is claimed to be of the Holy Spirit but is not congruent with the Scriptures, it is false, period. Okay? The scriptures are the high bar. The Holy Spirit's not going to come and do something and overturn what God has already declared to be true in his word. Won't happen. Ever, never. Okay? Um, so, just for example, this is why you will not hear me speak in tongues in a microphone unless God has made it clear that there is an interpretation. Some of you have wondered, is Pastor Vince spiritual or is this a dead church or what? Why don't I hear it? Because some of you have been taught um, <clears throat> an overemphasis on things like speaking in tongues. That somebody... Is not a Christian unless they speak in tongues. That's not right. Um, and you absolutely can have and be filled with God's Spirit without speaking in tongues. Now, I'll, I will tell you this. I do speak in tongues. I have since I was 10 years old. But I'm not going to start rip-roaring and have a tongue of palooza right here in the microphone unless God makes it clear that there's an interpretation. 
because that is the instruction Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians. Now, I also need to tell you that there are other churches, there are men of God who I love dearly and I would call friends and I would trust them with my life that believe different about that right there than I do, and that's okay. That's an open-handed issue. It's not something that family should fight about. I'm just telling you, and I want to make it clear, for this house, this is where we're at. Paul's instruction, I believe, is crystal clear in 1 Corinthians, and we're going we're gonna to go with that, okay? Everyone's sad or happy? I don't care that much. Let's get to something else, right? Okay, good. Uh, we just needed to say that. Um, amen. Uh, so bottom line is this church belongs to Jesus. He's welcome to do as he sees fit, when he sees fit. Uh, and we know that he won't do anything contrary to his word because that would cause confusion. And he's not the God of confusion. He's God of peace. Again, that's what Paul says. So uh, back to this warning, uh, verses 1 and 2. Beloved, do not, and we see it again, that language, uh, you know, it, it kind of can sound cutesy. And sometimes when people try to do it or use it, other pastors, when they'll say words like that, it just, it, because they don't really love the people, it does come off kind of weird. But you can just tell, man, John loves these people. And that's why he warns them, and that's why he's taking the time to write this letter to him. He says, Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Because many false prophets have gone out into the world. And so this, this is a warning. It, honestly, it rings true from the time it was written until the time that Jesus returns and sets all things that are wrong right. This warning never goes old until Jesus comes and, and, and takes his authority over all things. Uh, we're going to need to heed this warning right here. Uh, there have been and always will be false prophets, counterfeit signs and wonders and miracles, and, and a false spirituality. Uh, there are countless avenues and options and ways to be deceived when it comes to spiritual things. I need to say this to you. You need to hear me say this. All that is spiritual is not godly. You hear what I said? There's a distinction there. There are spirits other than God. And, and sometimes they act like God. Sometimes they act like they're good, but they're not. All that is spiritual is not godly. There will be many so-called spiritual people that will be cast away from God with the words, I never knew you. It's not just about being spiritual. When you hear some people say that, I don't really need to read the Bible. I'm spiritual. You're in trouble. I love you, but that's not going to work. Maybe you've never heard somebody say that. I have. I know that that's a real thought people have. Well, I'm just, I don't know so much about organized religion or church or the Bible, but I'm just, I'm a spiritual person. Real easy to get in air. It's real easy to get in trouble out there floating around in, in you know, the spiritual whatever realm you got going on without the instructions of the scriptures to let us know what's, what's real and what's not, what's, what's true and what's false, because that matters a lot. So how can we tell if something is of God or not, uh, especially when there are those with real spiritual power that seems to validate their claims of authority? How can we keep from being deceived versus Two and three, they tell us and they instruct us in that. So uh, verse two, by this you know the Spirit of God. By this you know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. And the contrary to that, and every spirit that does not confess Jesus is not from God, this is the spirit of the Antichrist, of which you've heard that it is coming, and now it is already in the world. There are many Jesuses. But there is only one Jesus Christ, the anointed one of God. He's the only one that, that is God become a man, born of a virgin, that lived in complete obedience to God the Father, and then willingly laid down his life as the perfect substitute and sacrifice for our sins. There is only one 
Jesus Christ. There's only one way to heaven. There's only one true Messiah, Savior and King. There's only one worthy to be worshipped. That's Jesus Christ. It's the Jesus of the Scriptures, not the Jesus of man's imaginations. John here is bringing truth and clarity to disperse the confusion being stirred by those in that day known as Gnostics. Some would refer to them as mystics. And what they were coming to do, they were spreading lies and deceit. Some of it may have been born out of just a a demonic uh, desire to confuse people about Jesus. Some of it could have been because they struggled with understanding some of the deep things of God, and so they wanted a naturalistic explanation. They wanted something that fit within the box of their understanding. So their issue, we see John address it. He says, those that don't, that will not confess that Jesus Christ came in the flesh. So what these Gnostics and mystics were saying is that Jesus did come, but he was only of the Spirit, because they had, this, they had a really hard time understanding how Jesus could be both God and man. How is that possible? And yeah, that's a good question. Um, But they claim that Jesus could not have come in the flesh, that he was spirit only. This is not what the Bible teaches. Uh, Jesus is both fully God and fully man. In John 8, 58, Jesus says, Before Abraham was, I am. He was always there, always will be. Jesus is fully God, part of the Trinitarian Godhead. That's what we believe. Uh, Before Abraham was, I am. And then in John 1, 14, it tells us that Jesus, who is called there the eternal word, he became flesh. And so we see that somehow God, uh, he does this miracle of incarnation. And uh, this, this duality of natures contained within the person of Christ is referred to doctrinally as the hypostatic union. Now, I don't care necessarily that you remember that, but here's what I need you to remember. God is, Jesus is not 50% God, 50% man. I, I've, I've heard that said. That's error. He's 100% God and 100% man. And you're like, well, I... I went to college, and that math doesn't add up. I get that, but sometimes there's truths about God that are going to usurp uh, calculus. Okay? You all right with that? Amen. Amen. I am. Um, and, and some of you, you could ask, you know, how could Jesus be both fully God and fully man? I don't, I don't understand that. And I, I would say to you, you know, are you ready to be shocked? I'm going to shock you because I'm going to say something you might not ever hear another preacher say. I don't know. I don't know. There's ways that we work to try to describe on how possibly that happened, but the reality is I'm not sure we're totally capable of understanding how it is eternal God that that Jesus, out of that Trinitarian Godhead, restricts his deity to the point where he can be put into the womb of Mary the Virgin and then born. I, I don't totally get, I don't know that science could ever really nail that or give me an explanation that would fit within the paradigm of my understanding but that doesn't mean I can't believe it. The Trinity is the same way. I can't totally explain to you how God is three in one. But he is. It's clear from the scriptures. And I'm okay with God being bigger than me and knowing things that I don't know. I'm real glad about it. I'm happy about it that I don't serve a God that's on the same intellectual level as I am. Why would I worship that guy, bro? I'm as smart as you. Right? No, he is above me. He is greater than me. And I'm not dumb for not demanding that he answer every one of my questions in a way I could understand. You know, I've told you many times, my, I, I there's some things I can't explain to my kids. They're not there yet, right? And that's okay. They trust me. You guys get in this car, it'll get us where we need to go. They don't, they don't demand of me to understand how the anti-lock brake system works and how, you know, internal combustion, all the details about that and the air-gas ratio. Well, where does the exhaust go? How does that work? You know, what's a... No. 
yeah, dad, all right, strap me in, let's go. And that's how, that's how I am with the Lord, and that's okay. I'm not stupid for that. My kids aren't dumb to trust me because they know I love them. That's what's important. They got that message first. They didn't trust me until they knew that I loved them. I'm not going to put them in a car if it's not safe. Right? God's smarter than me. Hallelujah. So much like the doctrine of the Trinity, this hypostatic union is one of those truths about God that seems to be a bit beyond our grasp. Uh, But even though the details, which are probably too deep for us to understand, are not clear, we know that somehow Jesus restricted his deity without losing it and took on flesh by being born of the Virgin Mary. Okay? Um, And here's the thing. Stuff like this, errors like this, these are the reasons why we talk about Jesus so much. Some of you, I mean, I know that people have been tempted to try to count how many times we say Jesus in a service, but it's on purpose because it's all about him. All of the scriptures, Genesis to Revelation, they're about Jesus. All of history belongs to him. All of the future belongs to him. It is all about Jesus. And it's intentional to help us not stray into error. We have to know the master. We have to be intimately aware of who he is. We can't talk about Jesus too much, ever. It's a beautiful name. I never get tired of hearing it. And, and the reality is that oftentimes when people get into error doctrinally, it, it oftentimes it springs from a misunderstanding of Jesus, his character, his mission, who he is, what he does, and what he's about. Like these Gnostics, they, they couldn't grasp that hypostatic union, that messed them up. Well, how could he be both God and man? Well, that can't be true, so he must have, he must have just been spirit. Let's roll with that, because I can, I can get that. Well, you're in trouble, because if, God, if Jesus was not fully man, he could not step in and, and be a sacrifice on behalf of us as mankind. He couldn't, he couldn't have paid the price. That wouldn't have worked. He had to be both God and man. I don't get it, but I'm thankful for it. Yes. Amen. Remember, when it comes to that point in the road where I don't totally get it, we always have two options. We can doubt or we can worship. I choose to worship. Yes, you're bigger than me and I'm happy. Amen. The best counterfeit specialists in the world, guys that their job is to spot counterfeit bills, uh, they'll tell you that the best way to get good at spotting counterfeit bills is not to study the fakes, but to become intimately familiar with the real thing. That's why we love, worship, exalt, and talk about Jesus so much. If we know him, then we will love him. And if we love him and know him, it'll be very hard for us to be deceived. If you try to study all those fakes, you try to get intimately aware of all the details of how it's changed, it's hard to keep track of all that. But if you get so good, I mean, you hold, a, you hold a $20 bill in your hand, you know the weight, you know the feel, you know every marking on that thing, then you get one that isn't right. You'll, even if you can't perceive in your mind why you, know for, why you can tell that that's not right, there's, even in your subconscious, you'll catch it. Even the feel is just a little bit off. And that's where we want to be in our discernment with those that would propose a different Jesus. Because sometimes they only change small things. You could, you could listen to a Gnostic and say, well, yeah, Jesus did everything he said he did. He was, it, it just, that part about him being a man, that's, that's, that's not really true. You, you could buy that and think it doesn't change anything. It changes everything. There's only one Jesus. There's only one way. It's trust in him. There's only one way to defeat the sin problem. There's only one way to be saved. There's only one way to be in eternity with God forever. One way. And it's through him. 
the real Jesus. We've got to know him, lest we be deceived. Amen. We're in verse 4 now. 1 John 4, 4. Uh, this is good right here. It says, you are from God, little children, and you have overcome them, because greater is he that is in you than he who is in the world. This verse right here, there's many others like it, but this verse is one of the ones, it leaves us no option for giving up. It leaves us no option for shrinking back. The Christian does not lose. We march forward. We take ground. We don't back up. Because of this right here. He that is in you is greater than he that's in the world. You hear what he's saying there? You hear what he's talking about? You understand what that means? God used to dwell in a temple made with hands. God, there, there was these specific buildings made, given by God's instruction, where he would, he would be behind this thick curtain. His presence would, would dwell there, and only a priest could go in a certain time of year and offer a sacrifice to him. Part of what happened when Jesus died on the cross, it's, it's, it's documented that that curtain that used to separate man and God, that it rent, says it rent from top to bottom. It tore Telling us you have no need now for this separation because God's original intention was being restored, that he was going to dwell with us and dwell in us. You are the New Testament temple of the Holy Spirit. That's why what we do every moment all the time, how we treat our bodies, what we, what we do with our words and even our thoughts, it matters because he's with us where we go. Our intentions, the deep motives, all that matters. He's with us. He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And that is true about everything. Uh, every part of, a world, of worldly thinking, every antichrist sentiment, anybody that would rise up and set themselves against God, they lose. They have and they will, always. God wins. He's got the biggest stick. <laughs> He's got that stick that says creator on it, <laughs> which kind of trumps everything else. There's a lot of evil and difficulty in this world, and there are things and battles that would overwhelm the best of us. But the glorious truth is that we don't fight alone. He is in us, thus he is with us at all times in every struggle. You're not alone. I know, I know that that lie comes and tries to convince you that you're fighting by yourself. You're not. That's not true. It doesn't matter how lonely you feel. You don't live by your feelings. You don't walk by sight. You walk by faith. And this word right here, which is God's promise to you, says he is in you. And he's greater than he that's in the world. And so we can't despair. This gives us no excuse for fear. We don't shrink back. We don't, we don't, we don't retreat. We don't. We're with God. Ultimate sovereign winner, king. We're on that team. Amen. But you could, say, you could say to me, look, man, that's, that's cool. You, you've got that verse. You're excited about it clearly. But listen, if you could see what's going on in my life, if you could see the struggle I'm in right now, if you could see how long I've been fighting this battle, you'd say, Pastor Vince, I can't, I can't do this. And I just want to say to you, praise God. You've gotten to the point where you can quit or fail, where you can trust that he has the strength that you don't. It's not about you. That's what I'm trying to get you to see, dear one. I love you. I know you maybe can't do it. Praise God. It doesn't matter. He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. You don't have to have the strength to get through it because he does. There's nobody that whoops God. And he's with you. He's for you. He's behind you. He fights ahead of you. And he's your rear guard. 
He's not going to let anything overtake you. And the only way we lose is when we forget that. The only way we can fail or quit is when we forget what the truth is. He that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. You could say, listen, man, that's, yeah, I hear that too, but I'm broke. You don't understand. I'm broke, broke. I'm that kind of broke that, you know what I'm saying? I don't have two pennies to rub together. And I would say to you that he that is in you has all the money and resources you could ever need. I get that you may not have something in your pocket, but you've got a God dwelling in you that has every resource and he's in control of all things. Will you trust him? You could say, but I'm broken, man. You don't understand. Deep on the inside and for a long time I've been broken. Let me say to you, he that's in you is unbreakable. You're not going to break him. Ever. And so you lean in. You lean into him. You, you rely less on you. That's good. That's a good thing. You could say, but I'm depressed. Have been for a long time. I've been hiding it, but I, I'm depressed. I would say to you, he that is in you is the source of living water, and he's an ever-flowing fount of joy. I understand that depression is, is deeper than just having a bad day. For some of you, it is, it is deep, and it becomes like a, just a wet blanket that weighs over your emotions all the time, and it drags you down, but I need you to understand and I understand that there's, there's medical implications sometimes, but my God, I'm going to get there too. You could say, listen, man, I'm sick. I don't care what it is. He that is in you is a healer. He's made it clear all through the scriptures. By faith, you can be healed, man. Jesus is a healer. No question about it. You don't see, you don't see people calling out in faith in the scriptures and Jesus saying, eh, I don't have time for you. He was moved by compassion, and he loved them. That, the spirit of that Jesus lives in us. He comes and dwells in us. And so not only can we be healed, but we can bring healing to others. Because of him in us, not because we're cool. So I don't care. Look, I know you might be depressed. Yes, and that could have, to, it could have chemical implications, could be stuff with your brain. It could be genetic. I know that all of that are potential implications, but none of that. Is a, is a script for hopelessness. None of that is an excuse to shrink back and lose and quit because he that is in you is greater than all those things. And there is always reason for joy because of Jesus and because of his word. If nothing else, if all I had to think about today is the fact that I, I get to be called, see, Father's Day is tough for some of you. And I know that. I get that. I'm in that. I'm on that squad. Right? Some of you didn't have good dads. Some of you, your dad didn't show up at all. Hallelujah. I'm, I'm, in, that, I'm in that group, okay? Some of you, so Father's Day can be bittersweet. I understand that. Some of you had dads so bad you wish he wasn't around. I, I get all that. But here's what I have today. If, if, if everything else is just crumbling around me, here's what I know. Here's what I understand. Not was I, I wasn't invited in by God through Jesus to just just barely get in, just, I could come and, you know, be the guy that sweeps up the throne room. He, he has invited me in through Christ to be a son. I get to be a son of the king of glory who spoke and created everything. That's a big deal. And on my saddest day, if all I have is that to remember, joy should spring up in me. Because this, this, this is the thing, you can't take that away. Take away my house. Guess what? I'm still a son of God. Take away my health. Guess what? I'm still a son of God. Take away everything I got. Guess what? I'm still a son of God. 
And if it ended in my death, I'm a son of God. And that's my final victory. I can't lose. I don't shrink back. What am I afraid of? When he that's in me is greater than he that's in the world. What am I afraid of? Fear not, dear one, for I am with you. Fear not, for I am God. These are the promises of the word all through. We could, do, we could shake our heads yes right now. We can shout and clap right now, and we should, and we should celebrate. However, when this matters is tomorrow, when that depression's trying to creep on you again, when you're looking at the bank account, when you're feeling the aches and pains, right? That's when we got to remember, he that's in me is greater than he that's in this world, or anybody that would stand up against me, any weapon formed against me, it's not going to prosper. It can't win. I'm with the king who wins. You could say to me, but I'm addicted. He that's in you is the chain breaker, and he's the God of freedom. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what that addiction is. God's a God of freedom, and he'll set you free from that. He's a chain breaker. If anybody's got the strength, he does. And I know you may have been through this cycle over and over and over again where you you thought you had it, you went so long, you counted the days, and then, boom, fell off the wagon again. And so you get to this point where you're like, listen, man, I just, I'm not strong enough. Yes, I get it, but he is. And that's what I'm trying to get you to see. It's not just about you. He's in you, and he's with you, and he's for you, and he's fighting on your behalf. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. Don't give up. Let me hear you say this. He that's in me, come on, say it, is greater than he that's in the world. You believe that, Love City? I believe it. And I believe if we believed it more, I believe if we believed it in those moments when it counted, we'd see more victory and we'd see more people with their curiosity peaked wanting to know, why is it you live the way you do? Why does it seem like even when everyone else would say you're losing, you're winning? How do you live like that? Well, let me tell you, my brother, it's not Prozac. He that's in me. Amen. Let me be clear and say that if... If a doctor prescribes somebody something like that, that's, listen, common grace allows for, and it's a, it's a gift to us that we have the, the medical capability that we do, and sometimes stuff like that can help in a temporary fashion, but my faith would still be to believe for you that at some point you wouldn't need that. There's nothing wrong with getting help from doctors, that's the grace of God, and thank God for them. So I don't mean to ridicule that, don't misunderstand me if that's the way you felt. All I'm saying is, God's real big. And has very few limitations. Really, the only limitations he has is the ones he's put on himself. Like, I won't leave you. You know, people like to ask questions. Could God make a a rock so big that he couldn't lift it? You're an idiot. Get away from me. (laughs) Right? But I can tell you what God won't do. He won't violate his word. Not ever. Never, never. Because he's not a man that he should lie. He's perfectly bound to his word. So he's bound to be with us. He's bound to fight for us. He's bound to be in us, and he's bound to support us and love us and treat us like sons and daughters, and I'm so, 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 so happy about that. Amen. You could say, but I'm lonely. The Spirit of God has taken up residence in you. You're never alone, and you've been adopted into the family of God where your faults and your failures are welcomed because we're all in the process of being more like Jesus. You don't have to be alone. If you're feeling lonely today, it's because you bought a lie from the devil and you've allowed him to isolate you. Let me tell you something. You're not alone. First of all, the God of all the universe dwells in you. So you could be standing alone on the highest mountain 
all by yourself. He's with you. You're not alone. Secondly, you're invited into the family of God because of Christ. And so some of you just don't take advantage of that because in the past you've been rejected by people. In the past you've been let down by people. I get that and I understand. But he that's in you is greater than he that's in the world. He that's in you, um, he causes you to be bound together with people in such a way that it, over, it overcomes differences. It overcomes the things that would normally cause us to reject each other. It causes all of us to love each other, which means we set down difference and we, and we push into community. Community groups start this week, by the way. <laughs> yeah, you knew I was going to get it in somewhere. Um, Adam will be in the back again, Adam and Priscilla. If you have any questions about that whatsoever, scheduling, you can see them. If you need to change groups, um, see them about that. And if you need to get in a group, uh, you do if you're not in one. And I know sometimes, you know, scheduling is prohibitive. I get that. We're working on it. I'm going to try to make it where everyone can be in a community group because I don't want you to be alone. I don't want you to feel lonely. I don't want you to think you're by yourself because you're not. You don't have to be. Never. God's with you. He's for you. We're with you. We're for you. Amen? Amen. I'm happy about that. I'm glad I'm not by myself. Fighting alone is, man, it's not fun. I know sometimes you struggle with feeling discouraged and inadequate. Can I be honest with you? Me too. That's... That's being human. I know that you struggle with feelings that you're unqualified and overwhelmed. I call that Monday. <laughs> uh, but it's not about us, dear ones. It's not. It's about he that's in us. He qualifies me. He makes me not alone. He fills me up with joy and peace and all the things I can never get myself. It's because of him. It's not about me. It's about him. Let's read on, starting in verse 5. It says, They are from the world, therefore they speak as from the world, and the world listens to them. We are from God. He who knows God listens to us. He who is not from God does not listen to us. By this we know the spirit of truth and the spirit of error. Uh, if you're paying attention, some of you wouldn't like verse 6 because um, you don't like authority of any sort or kind. And the word submission makes you bristle like a cat that just got water thrown on it. Uh, but here's, here's the reality, and here's what we see. This is really bold, what John's saying, if you pay attention. He's saying, we're of God. We are leadership that God has established, and if people know God, they're going to listen to what it is we're saying. We were stamped with approval by King Jesus. We were sent out apostolically to start this mission of spreading Christianity throughout the world. Uh, we're from him. We're with him, and those that are of God and know God are going to trust that. Um, and some people in that day didn't like that either, clearly. Uh, the reality is that we all should be under solid biblical leadership because we all need encouragement, we all need covering, and at times, we all need correction. Can you squeak an amen out on that one? You ever need correction in your life? I know I do because I can think dumb thoughts, and sometimes I get all about myself and selfish, and uh, sometimes I need somebody to go like that. And I'm real, real thankful there's, there's men in my life that... Uh, I've given permission to do that and that they're bold enough and love me enough to do so. Absolutely. Uh, I don't want to be out here doing my own thing and thinking I'm infallible. Everybody should be under solid biblical leadership. Um, and, and that begs the question because there's been a lot of people who have thought they were under solid biblical leadership and then you see the outworkings of it, something comes up and it shows that ultimately 
uh, <clears throat> apparently that guy wasn't working for Jesus, whether it comes through in some type of moral failing or, you know, and, and here's the thing, leaders and men of God fail and all of us have to give room for them to do that uh, because they're still humans, but it's different when they fail in, in, in such a way and then there's no clear sign of repentance. There's no willing to work through what it would take to uh, show that clearly they'd been convicted by God and they're willing to do whatever it takes to show that, uh, that they were going to submit to what the word would have them to do. And so um, th- there is a difference there. But how can you know if leadership can be, can be trusted? And, and here's what I would say. It's, you know, we, could, we can make it complicated or we can loop back around to the beginning of these verses and we can say, do they stick with the scriptures and what do they say about Jesus? What are, they t- what are they teaching about Jesus? What are they teaching about the scriptures? Do, do, does biblical, is the leadership, and this is, some of you, you may be visiting today. I, I, I want to say this, first of all, some of you, you know that Love City is your church. You, you know that God's called you here. You're on mission with us. You want to see as many people as possible come to meet Jesus and joyfully worship him. You know that God's called you here. You know uh, you're all about loving God, loving people, and making disciples. You're excited about that. Every time I say it, something jumps in you. It's not just like, oh my gosh, he's going to say it again. You're like, yes! I'm on mission, and I'm happy about it. So if you're in that situation, I want to I, I say to you as well, don't turn off your spiritual filter just because it's me talking. I, I could err. I'm going to do my best for the rest of my life to serve this church well with the scriptures and to lead this church well and to get done the mission that God gave us to do. That's my intention. That's what I want to do. I want to stay with one woman, raise my kids, and, and, and lead this church, and hopefully one day uh, fall down in a box and get buried and, and go see Jesus and him say, well done. That's really what I'm about. That's what I care about. I think about that every day. All the time. It's on my mind. And so that's where I'm headed. But don't, listen, man, it's, it's okay. And you should uh, have a, a Holy Spirit discernment and grid even when I'm talking. Because I can err. And if, if it's brought to my attention, if I realize it, the Holy Spirit stops and says, listen, son, you, that was real dumb what you said there. I'm going to come and repent to you. And you're going to forgive me and realize that's a man up there. Yes, gifted by God, called by God to lead and teach the Bible, but that doesn't make me perfect. I'm still flawed. I got clay feet, and there's a real great chance if I haven't already, I'm going to stumble and fall in front of you. But hallelujah, we'll keep growing together, and you'll forgive me, and it'll be wonderful, right? We'll keep on marching. That's different than somebody that doesn't care about all the other things I just talked about, that they're not concerned with making sure Jesus is represented correctly, that they don't hold the scriptures high as authority over even themselves. Men that claim to have words from God that may supersede what the Bible would say. Mm-mm. No, no. We're in danger there. God's not going to speak different than his word. He's not going to do it. He's made that clear. Um, and, and honestly, if you're trying to figure out, and, and I'm, giving, I'm giving you a gauge to judge this church, you should judge this leadership, you should. And, and maybe this isn't your church and you're going to have to figure this out somewhere down the road. I want to give you good parameters to know, uh, am I underneath solid biblical leadership? What is the emphasis? What is talked about all the time? What, what seems to be held high? What comes up a lot? If it's submission and obedience to these scriptures, love for God, and a whole lot about Jesus and his gospel, you're, in, you're probably in safe water. You're in a good harbor. Go ahead and stick it with them, plug in, and and be on mission. 
it's about all a bunch of other crazy stuff, and it seems like a, you know the Republican National Convention every week, or you know let, let's we're gonna, let's close our Bibles. I'm going to show you this article in Time Magazine, and we're going to you know see what kind of truth it's got. Eh. Let's get out of there. When it becomes all about you know when the high point and pinnacle of the whole deal is that we we have a, a service where everyone went buck wild and we got emotionally high and it was cool and. You know, let's come back and do that again next week, but there's no real walking out of the scriptures or no real walking out of our faith or not much emphasis on how the gospel changes us and how it should then instantly cause us to want to give that gospel gift to others, we may be in trouble. Be underneath solid biblical leadership, somebody that you can trust. If they come to you with, whether it's encouragement, whether it's care or correction, you can trust that it's coming from somebody that loves Jesus, loves the Bible, and loves you. That's, that's really important, and that's what you want to look for. Amen? And some of you, some of you today, you might have to repent because you, you, have, you haven't agreed maybe up until today that everyone should have some type of form of solid biblical leadership. You thought maybe you were the one that was above that. You don't, you don't need that. Um, you're, <clears throat> you're special, Right? You're special like a snowflake. There's no one like you. Um, I, I'm sure your kindergarten teacher was an absolute sweetheart, uh, but what she told you about you being a snowflake doesn't apply here. All of us need to be submitted. The book of Hebrews is clear, man. Um, and it's, it's just a super red flag if you don't want that. I want the safeguard in my life. There's there's safeguards built into the leadership structure, the bylaws of this church, that if I start doing stuff that doesn't line up with what Jesus and this Bible says, that I can be corrected and I can be taken out of this post because I'm not infallible. And when you start to think you are, when you start to think you're above having those type of safeguards, having somebody that can sit you down and say, slow your roll, man. we got to talk about something. If, if you don't want that, please check yourself. I love you. If you don't desire to have that accountability, if you don't desire to have somebody that can, that can stop you and, and talk to you about where you, you may be faltering or maybe you're getting off track in the way you're thinking, if you don't want that, seriously want that, um, maybe a little bit of the rugged American individualistic principle has, has driven itself too much into your heart. Listen, I'm, I am an American, yeehaw, I'm happy about it, but I'm a Christian first. And... Um, I know that sometimes we have a, a kind of a, you know, rugged, tough, uh, I'm an individual and I'm going to do my thing because I'm an American. And there's parts of that that <clears throat> are, are probably redeemable, but it, it isn't when it comes to this. I'm a part of a group and I'm, I'm accountable to all of you. And I'm accountable to the leadership that God's put in my life. And I'm accountable to brothers that have come around me. And uh, I want you to know that and I want you to want that for your life. Somebody should be able to check you. Is that, I said a lot. Let me just say it simple. Somebody should be able to check you. Is that okay? Make sure it's somebody that loves you and has got a Bible in their hand. Okay? All right. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you in the name of Jesus. Lord, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you, Lord, for uh, this section of verses that gives us a loving warning to pay attention uh, to the spirits, to not just take everything in and just because something claims to be of God, just... Just believe that and, and uh, open our hearts and minds to it, Lord. But help us, give us uh, better discernment even than we've had before. We ask for the help of your Holy Spirit that, um, that we would not be deceived. Help us to focus our eyes and our hearts, our attention 
and our affection on Jesus so that it's very hard for someone to come and distract us and deceive us with something else. Lord Jesus, we, we do. We want to know you so well. We want to love you so deep that, uh, that we can't be pulled to the right or to the left, that our eyes and our gaze can't be pulled from uh, just staring at your beauty and, and trusting you with all of our hearts. And so, Lord, we, uh, we just thank you that uh, we aren't left to our own. We thank you that, uh, we thank you that, uh, that John, in writing this, that he gave us parameters, that he, he helps us to understand that many times where we get out of line, where we err, is in the person and work of Jesus. Help us, Lord, to just never be tired of hearing about that. Lord, I, 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 don't, I don't want there to be any room for me to make a mistake on it. I, I want to know that Jesus is, that he's fully God, fully man. I want to understand that. I want to even if I don't get how it works, I want, to, I want to believe it. I want to be able to pick up quickly when someone would try to lead me to believe something else. I want to know Jesus so well that I can't be tricked. Because I don't have time to be deceived. I don't have time to be over here distracted. Because, Lord, I know there's work to do. There's a mission to be accomplished. I know, Lord God, that there's people dying out here and going to hell that don't know you. And, God, I don't have time to be, to be messing around doing something else. Lord, I want to be on this mission. I want to be focused. I want to bring you glory with everything I do and say. Lord, help us as a church to stay on mission and on focus. It, it, can, it can be hard sometimes for, for churches to have the discipline to stay on message and to stay focused because people have this desire to hear something new or exciting. But God, I, I want to be excited every week when I hear your name as, as I was the week before. And even more so, let it not become a common thing to me. We love you. We do love you. And we are excited about you. We're excited about the gospel. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to audio from Love City Church, located in Cincinnati, Ohio. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. To give or find out more about Love City Church, visit www dot mylovecitychurch dot org